0: So now we're gonna move on to the teaching, I think. So we're talking about everyday heroes. So the concept behind everyday heroes is during the summer we see a lot of movies about with heroes in them, but most of those heroes are heroes that have superpowers that we can't ever attain to. And so I wanted to have a discussion about can we be heroes or not? Or is that, because it, it definitely is something that interests us. I mean, I think we all look at heroes and we want to be heroes, but is it unattainable? So we've just been talking about some everyday things that if we all do them, we can be heroes in people's lives. So we talked about if you see a need, you do, oh yes, like the three or four people, got it. All right, if you see a need, do something that's just like, entrance level heroism, right? Step one, you know, class 101, heroes, if they see a need, they're not like, well, I could fly over there and do that, but I'd rather not, right? No, heroes do something. And last week we talked about serving it forward, right? Starting to be someone who sees opportunities to serve, which is to do what others don't want to do, to go above and beyond, right? So that's a part of serving. So this week I want to talk a little bit more about sharing and getting outside of our own lives, you know, you'll know you see that being an everyday hero has a lot to do with thinking about other people. So I want to start with a question. Have you guys ever said that you believed in something or wanted something, but if anyone analyzed your life or your actions, they would, they would question whether you were really telling the truth? So let me just give you an example from my life. I say, I'm not going to tell you, but I say that there's an a an, uh, weight range that I want to stay in. It's, it's a five-pound weight range. I'm not going to tell you what it is. But this is my goal. And I say I'm committed to it. So you might not know this, but like three or four years ago, I lost like 20, 25 pounds. And I got down inside this little range, and I thought, okay, this is the range in which I feel good about myself, and I feel healthy, and I'm going to stay here for the rest of my life, So I said. And, uh, and I did that for like a year and a half, two years. And then I've been like over the last year creeping back up. And so, but I would continue to say this like, oh man, I'm committed to staying in that range. I'm committed to exercising. I'm committed to losing this weight now that I've gotten five pounds over the range, 10 pounds over the range. I am committed to losing weight. I have an app on my phone and I was like, I'm so committed. I'm going to make it, give me reminders, you know, like at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I just ignore them you know they become like white noise like don't forget to enter your food right like it's a calorie app cuz here's the thing and here's where i fall into all the time is i'll do the app faithfully for like a week and then i'll be like i kind of get this right like i kind of know i can have a bowl of cereal in the morning right i can have a sandwich cup of coffee in the morning cup of coffee in the afternoon reasonable dinner don't eat ice cream and then have a, cup of, a bowl of cereal before I go to bed. That's like what you can eat. And then I also, here's my sneak. All right, I bought these, the pretzel thins from Costco. Anybody? You can have 11 of them for 110 calories, okay? So listen, if you, if you eat them throughout the day, one or two at a time, like when you feel that gnawing hunger in the gut where you're like, I must eat, you just go grab a pretzel or two. Ask Mandy, I keep the bag open in the pantry. You're learning a lot about me, okay? Like, this physique doesn't come easy, guys, all right? So, um, but if you, if you like, uh, up until about a month ago, for about six or seven months, I kept telling people, I'm gonna lose, I gotta lose more, I gotta lose weight, I gotta get, gotta get back down. But if you analyzed what I ate and how often I exercised, you'd be like, you're a liar. You, don't, you either do or you don't. You can't say you wanna lose weight and then eat like you're eating. Which, which I loved how I was eating. It was enjoyable. Um, you know, I would say, yeah, I'm really committed to exercise. But then you could track, like, I had exercised once in the last two weeks. But I had faithfully eaten my bowl of ice cream every night. I had faithfully. Now, see, listen, my dad did a lot of good things for me in my, in my childhood. He taught me a lot about being a man. He taught me a lot about being a good husband, being a good father. But he also taught me to eat a bowl of ice cream every night. I don't know how he got away with it. Through his 40s, I don't remember him ballooning at all, but every night we would eat a bowl of ice cream together, and he must have a higher metabolism than me. So like, my here's my other trick is I tell myself I can have some ice cream every night, and I just go and I get a little, a little fork of ice cream. I don't know why. We have more forks than spoons, so you don't waste the spoons if you're not going to actually eat a bowl of cereal, right? So you use a fork. You guys tracking with me? Life skills. This is the part of the teaching you should be taking notes on. So... Once you've been married 20 years, you have like seven different sets of silverware and plates and nothing matches and you're like, I just hope something's clean. So you get a fork of ice cream, you, you eat it really slow, maybe leave a little on there so you can go for, go for a second leg round. It's like you're getting two bites and then you, and then you put it away, put it away. And you're like, man, I loved my ice cream tonight. And then another, another concept I've been employing is going to bed early because you can't eat while you're asleep. So, sometimes at like 11, I'm like, I want that bowl of ice cream so bad, I should just go to bed. And then I just go to bed. So, I've I've been living a lie. I'm confessing it to you now. I'm a hypocrite. I'm two-faced, double-sided. I have not really been wanting to lose weight. I've been saying it, but I've not been doing it until about a month ago, and I have actually been trying, faithfully and consistently for a month. You know what's really great is when you do that, see, here's the, this is really not a teaching about weight loss, but... um, I I really don't you hate let's agree after three weeks of working hard and you get on the scale and nothing's changed what does that make you want to do it's like what's the the purpose I should just keep eating right anyway we're good Um, (laughs) this is a weird this is a vestige of when I used to teach with paper notes in front of me every time this was laying here it's the schedule it's the announcements and every time I looked at it I kept reading it and looking for my next point that's not going to be helpful okay (laughs) okay So is there anything like that in your life, come on, where you have said, I really care about X, Y, and Z, but to be honest, you do nothing about it. You know, I care about being generous, but you don't ever give anybody any money. All right, let's be honest. Let's say you, you, I care about, um, we've talked about exercise, talk about weight. I care about my kids and you don't ever talk to me. No, I'm just kidding. Um, We all have those things, right? I, I care about learning, but you haven't like read a book in a year and a half, right? So here's the thing that I want to talk about today. See, I believe part of being a hero in the context of church is caring about people who are far from God. It's kind of a high calling, and it's part of our vision. Like It's the first word, seek. We're committed to seeking people, not just sitting here and saying, I hope they find us, you know? Oh, let's pray. Let's have prayer meetings. God, bring people to us. I used to. I used to be in this prayer meeting when I was a teenager, and it was a wonderful prayer meeting. And I'm telling you, when if you pray every week faithfully, God does amazing things. We prayed every week for several years, but I started to get tired of this one prayer I was praying. I kept praying, God, I just pray you. Would, I was leading a, a youth meeting at that time. I was like 20. I pray that you would bring people who don't know Jesus to this meeting, and I would pray it every week, and they would never come. I don't know why. I thought, God, you are so unfaithful. And I think sometimes God's like, why are you praying? Like, there are millions of people. Just go meet some. Like, I gave you legs. I gave you a voice. You know how to talk? Go! It's actually what he said when Jesus died and rose from the dead. And then he said his last parting words to his disciples before he went to heaven. He literally said, here's the last thing I want to tell you. Go. Don't stay here. Don't build a building. Don't call it a sanctuary. Don't hide from the mean dark world. He literally said, hey guys, I'm about to leave. Go. Go. Go and make disciples. Go and produce followers. Go and tell people about the good news. The good news. So I want to talk about that today. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge me. Do you really care About anyone else? (laughs) That's really what I'm talking about. Do you care about anyone's faith besides your own? Do you care that there are people right now who are far from God? And if you say you care, just like my weight loss program, I want to look at your life. So I I will get up, for years I've gotten up and taught on this in other churches, at youth conferences all across the country, blah, 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 blah. Then I took this test before we planted this church. I had to take a test before I planted this church. It was like a church planter assessment. And you want to know what my two lowest scores were? Talking to people about Jesus for the first time and ministering to the poor, which are the two things I want this church to do. And I scored lowest in those two areas. I thought, that's a great sign. We're going to be successful because it's not about me. So I want to read you... A little bit from Paul. Paul is right. Paul is one of the earliest followers of Jesus. He actually wasn't a disciple. So listen, this is cool about Paul. If you're here today and you're like what Rebecca was talking about, that you don't feel worthy or you don't feel qualified, Paul was someone who hunted down followers of Jesus and had them tried and killed. So none of you have done that, I guarantee you. And yet God turned his life around and he was able to write more than half of the New, what we call the New Testament. So he wrote letters to churches that he would plant. He traveled all over the place. This is one to a church in Corinth. So in the book we call 1 Corinthians, and we'll just read this together. He said, listen, though I am free and belong to no one, I've made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. I'm going to read just a little bit and then we'll talk about it. "'To the Jews I became like a Jew to win the Jews.'" So what does he mean right there? He was Jewish, but he was also a Roman citizen. And when you follow Jesus, so at this time, Jews who accepted Jesus as their Savior, they no longer had to follow all of the Jewish customs and laws. Because the Jewish system, this is like a real quick lesson in the Jewish system, but it was built to reconcile you with God through all these sacrifices and all these rules. And Jesus came to end that or fulfill that and say, now it's faith in Jesus. He was the final sacrifice. You don't need to do that stuff anymore. But he's like, listen, when I'm with the Jews... To win the Jews, I became like a Jew, all right? So what that means is he still observed a lot of the Jewish customs. He still went to the synagogue. And you know what would happen as he traveled from place to place? He would get beaten by the Jews because of his teachings about Jesus. He didn't have to suffer that beating because he was a Roman citizen, he could, have, he could have walked away from that, but he, just, he chose to put himself under Jewish law, even though he was free from it as a follower of Jesus. Are you following this? He put himself under the authority of the high priest in that area, the Jewish high priest, because he wanted so badly to talk to his Jewish friends about Jesus that he would let himself be beaten. There's another place where, where Paul's writing, and he says that he has great grief in his heart for his Jewish brethren. And he wishes that even he would be cut off from Jesus if only they would know Jesus. He has a desperation for those far from God. To those under the law, I became like one under the law. That's the Jewish law. Though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law. So now he's talking about what they call Gentiles, which is basically everyone else. I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law but I am under Christ's law. So he's just making it sure you know he's not saying that he just went and did whatever he wanted to do. (laughs) So like when he hangs out with his Gentile friends, he's, you know, getting drunk and smoking weed or whatever those guys did. So they did that back then, don't you think? All right. So as to win those who are not having the law, to the weak, I became weak to win the weak. And then it comes to the payoff verse. And this is really what I want to get to. This verse is one of my You know, like as you follow Jesus over the course of your life, you'll start to figure out like what some of the verses are that are like your heartbeat verses. And I got to read you one of them last week about um, how Jesus came, that he said he didn't come to serve but to be served. This is one that that is kind of like one of those mission statement ones for my life. He said, "I I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. Now, I just if you could memorize that verse, I've become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. It's this desperation. I do this for the sake of the gospel. What's the gospel? It's just a fancy word for the good news that Jesus died for your sins. He does this because he has good news to share and he wants to share it with others. I've become all things to all people. Listen, he's saying, look, If you're Jewish, I'll go to your Jewish synagogue. I'll wear your Jewish clothes. I'll do your Jewish customs just so I can talk to you about Jesus. If you're a Gentile, I'll hang out in your Gentile areas. Remember, there's a story of him where he went to Athens. And they had all these idols around Athens. And what they would do is they would sit in this commons area. And they would discuss and argue and debate. What context was he going to use to talk about Jesus? So he looked at all these different statues. And he found one called the statue to the unknown God. And he said, okay, to these people in Athens, I will become like an Athenian. So he went into the central court with them and he joined the debate. And he said, hey, I got something to say about this unknown God you guys worship. They're like, oh, we like the unknown God. He's very mysterious. And he told them that unknown God is Jesus. And he used that as a bridge. Paul was a bridge builder. To the poor, he became like the poor. He would be like someone who would live amongst the poor so that he could meet the poor and talk about Jesus. To the rich, he became like the rich. To the weak, he became like the weak. To the intellectual, he would use intellectual arguments. To the less intellectual, he would use less intellectual arguments. To the doubters, he would often see miracles done. I mean, he would just do whatever it took. Do you see the desperation? I can imagine walking around with Paul. It would take hours to get anywhere. Like, if we went to Acme with Paul, he'd be like, that person is far from God. I need, I'm going to pretend like I need soda so I can go to the soda aisle. I mean, right? Maybe not. But he had, he had this passion for people. And I wonder if we have that passion. I wonder if we walk through life ever thinking about other people. Like, do you ever just drive around and think, there are so many people in the world. There are tens of thousands of people just in New York. And look around. High percentage of them are disconnected from God. And it doesn't, matter, it doesn't matter where they are right now. God is pursuing them. So let me just point out a few things. We're going to just point out a few things from this verse, and then we're going to be done, okay? So can we go out of our way? So I've become all things to all people. There is a passion in his voice where he is saying, I am gonna go, I'm going to go out of my way. I'm going to go out of my way for people who are far from God. Can we start to think about the f- getting out of our way go, sorry, going out of our way to make a difference in people's lives? Can we start to think about that? It's, it's about inconveniencing ourselves. So what's one way we can start? Listen, we can start by just praying to carolate Jesus. Some of us have no passion in our heart right now for people who are far from God. And that's okay. That's not a judgment. I'm not here to tell you that that's a bad thing. But this is a place that you can start. Maybe all you can do right now is pray and say, God, help me to have a heart for the people who are far from you. Just begin to work in my heart. And if you start to pray that prayer regularly. So there's a verse that, um, I read this in an article. And there's a verse where Jesus says, it's in the book of Luke. It's Luke chapter 10, verse two. And he says, The harvest is plentiful, so he's using an analogy. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. He's saying, listen, there's a lot of people far from God, but there's not a lot of people there to invite them into God's family. Pray that God would send out workers into the harvest. A very simple verse, Luke 10.2. So there's some church planners who every day at 10.02 pray this prayer. And so I've set an alarm on my phone. It won't happen in church because I was smart enough to make it not happen on Sundays. But every other day of the week at 10.02, it goes, dun, 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 dun. It's this little song that plays. And, it, and I, sometimes I'm in meetings, like I, literally, like it, it just goes, it went off really loudly when I was on the plane going to Colorado two weeks ago. But it is a reminder. And so every day at 10.02, I pray. And sometimes it's just real quick, but I start to pray, God, I pray for Newark. I pray it's a harvest. I pray you'd send out workers. I pray you'd send out city light. I pray you'd send me out. I pray you'd give me a heart for those who are far from you, God. Just begin to break my heart, God. Can we go out of our way to make a way? So he says, I have become all things, and I'm going to use all possible means. What are the different ways that you can introduce people? Here's one, is you can become a habitual inviter. This is, this is so easy. And so listen, you might be sitting here and saying, Christian, I, you know, faith is personal. It's private. Like, I don't, I don't want to get into people's faith business. You know, it's like weird to cross that line. So let's just talk for a little bit about the things you're willing to do. Okay, let's just talk about the things you're willing to do. If you saw a movie you liked, would you recommend it to somebody? Yes. How about a restaurant that you liked? Yep, you would do that, right? It's, it's like, okay, so that you're willing to cross some of those social barriers, even with a stranger. All right, let's talk about strangers. What if, what if you were like um, in line at a grocery store and the person near you didn't have enough money? Would you, would you maybe offer them like an extra dollar or two? You would cross that to help them, right? What if someone was about to get physically harmed? Would you keep your mouth shut? Like, like, let's say, what's an example? You're, like, on a bike path, and there's a, a biker coming, and you're running with someone. They have their head down. They don't see them. Would you, like, get them out of the way so they didn't get hurt? You would do that, right? Or would you be like, no, no, that's, like, their business. They might think I'm crossing some lines if I touch them. Wouldn't you do that? If someone was about to get hit by a car, would you be like, whoa, you know, that's kind of rude for me to push people, right? Like, if you could push them out of the way. I've always wanted to save somebody like that, but it's never happened, you know? But like, would you do that? Like, if you had the chance, would you have the chance to help somebody like that? So where's the line? Like, how serious do we think it is to be far from God? That's really what it comes down to. Because we build up these artificial barriers. I would say it's probably more about us than them. It's probably more about our uncomfortability than them really, us being really worried that they're going to be upset. So I've just decided to become a habitual inviter. Um, I don't have my wallet on stage, but like I, I have a slot in my wallet where I just keep cards for the church and I just invite people as much as I can. Like I, I have no problem doing that. Do you know that there are, that one of the main reasons people don't go to church is no one's invited them? It's so simple. They, they could be one invitation away from God touching their life. Now listen, we try to make all of our stuff not just for the Christians in the room. So what if you're not a follower of Jesus right now? You know what? I still think that you could do this. And here's, the, here's why. Because just say what you can say. And this, this leads to my next point. All right? We can just talk about Jesus. You don't have to have it all together. So listen, if you can say, I don't believe in Jesus. I don't like church. But I went to this church city light. And it was okay. If that's what you can say... Say that to people. Do you know how many people are out there exactly in your shoes who feel hurt by church, who feel distant from God because they can't have community, who feel like they have been disqualified for this A, B, or C in their life, and for you to be honest and say, hey, I feel, I feel the same way. I feel disconnected, but you know what? i started going to this church occasionally, or I started going to this church every week, and, and they love me. And that's all I can tell you right now. Like, have, have, you know, have you drank the Kool-Aid yet? No, no. Like, I'm, you know, haven't drank the Kool-Aid yet. But like, we can just talk. I mean, let's just be real. What, do you, what can you say? Just say what you can say. It, I feel like that's true about all of us. Like, like for me, I, I believe that this is a great place for anybody. And so I'm just going to say what I can say. Like, hey, you should come. Why should I come to church? I, you know, I believe that everybody needs hope. I believe everybody's looking to belong and I believe everyone's looking for purpose. Everybody. They're looking to belong and they're looking for purpose. And what we allow here at City Light is we allow you to belong before you believe, even if you never believe. And we allow you to find purpose, right? So everybody you know is looking to belong and looking for purpose. We can become people who invite people and also just talk about Jesus often. Now, listen, I want to just press into this one a little bit more. This is a great book if you've never read it. It's kind of challenging if you've been in the Christian world for a long time. This challenges a lot of your misconceptions or conceptions. But speaking of Jesus, the art of not evangelism. This is like sharing your faith with people. And a lot of people feel like, I just don't know enough. I don't have all the rules. What if they ask me a question? I don't know the verses in the Bible. And I don't even, you know, honestly, I don't even know what the Bible is. All right. So look, when we preach Christianity, we have to own it. So you have to own Christianity. When you say the word Christianity, you have to own all the good and bad. You have to you talk about Christianity and people think about that guy on TV who did that thing right i mean that 's when you talk about Christianity, it comes with this package deal it, it, it includes the like the the people who bomb you know abortion clinics in the name of jesus right it 's like that 's all rolled into that it, it includes the, the the people who hate in the name of Jesus it includes like You know, that guy, when I went to the University of Delaware, there was a guy out there, and I remember he would just yell at people who walked by. He would just yell at them. And, and And I'm sure his heart maybe was in the right place, but he would just yell and say, You're going to hell. You're going to hell. You're going to hell. Are you doing this? You're going to hell. Are you doing this? You're going to hell. You know, like even like, you can look up like Kirk Cameron videos. It's just, it's like, you know, he would do these things where he'd walk around the street and he'd be like, you know, have you ever lied? Yes. You know, have you ever cheated? Yes. Well, you know what the Bible says about liars and cheaters? You're going to hell. You're going to hell. What are you going to do if you die tonight? Whew. All right. I mean, maybe, maybe that works for some people. But like when you talk about Christianity, you might feel like, I don't even want to talk about Christianity. I don't even want to invite people to church because I'm going to get coupled in with all that stuff. But here's the thing when you preach Jesus, we don't have to own anything because Jesus owns us. You know what research is showing right now? Is that people are very disconnected or unfavorable about church, but very favorable about Jesus. So we want to make much about Jesus. That's why we put him in our vision statement, too, all right? We want to seek love and care for people, and not like the church does, but like Jesus does, and Jesus will define what it means to be a church. And I'm not knocking church. You know, I, I talked about just a couple of weeks ago. I think the church is the hope of the world. The local church doing what God's called us to do in our community is the hope of the world. So we don't have to defend him. We don't even have to explain him. All we have to do is point with our fingers, like the blind man in the book of John, when he said, this is Jesus, all I know. Like, this is all we, can, this is all we have to say. No matter where you are on the faith journey, all I know is Jesus has touched my life, Where I was once blind, now I see. What has Jesus done for you? You can just share that. I've never felt accepted in church, and now I feel accepted. Boom. You could just share that. Right? I've been disconnected, but now I'm connected. I felt unworthy, but now I feel like I have a place. What can you say about Jesus? Jesus. So here's the, here's the statement for today. Could we go out of our way to make a way for those who are far away? And notice how well I rhymed the same word three times. <laughs> it's easy to rhyme when you use the same word. Can you go out of your way? Can you make it a priority? Can you start to have a passion and a heart for people who are far from Jesus to make a way? Can you start to think, how can I build bridges Maybe that person needs an invitation to church. Maybe that person needs an invitation to my house. Maybe that person just needs me to pray in the background of their life. Maybe that person needs me to be willing to say, how are you doing today? Look, I'm just saying, you know, there's a lot of churches who are filled with Christians. And, and that's great. But when we started this, that wasn't why we started this. We didn't build another building. You know, we didn't build any building. But like this isn't, let's fill this with Christians from other churches. Let's have a better better band and a better sound system and a better speaker and, you know, better chairs and better lighting. We're not going to out-church a lot of the churches in Newark. Okay? And that's not even the point. We're on the same team. So I I went to the the Journey. It's a great church. I went to the Journey recently. You know they had 3,500 people there on Easter? You know, what? that doesn't make me jealous in the sense, oh, no, they took people we could have had. It makes me jealous in the sense that, like, crap, we're not doing our part. Like, we need, we need to reach more people. Do you know, there's, I think these numbers are right. There's like 70,000 people in Newark, just the Newark area. And then there's Elkton, and then there's Avongrove. So we're trying to reach three areas. And I did research before we moved the church into Newark, and there was like, I, th- I want to say it was over 50% of people would have answered the survey as not having a church affiliation. Not even Catholic. Maybe it's a little bit lower than that. I'll do the research. I, I've a little bit forgotten it. But let's say it's 30%. What's 30% of 70,000? Quick. 21,000 people. Thanks. That's what, I knew that. What if there's 20,000 people out there who aren't going to church right now? What if for 10% of them, they just need an invitation? I'm pretty sure that's 2,000. I mean, just think about it. We need more churches. We need more inviters. We need more open hearts. We need to care more. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful. It's not the harvest's fault. There's nobody out there doing it. How many people, listen, if I say I care about people who are far from God, how many people have I invited to church in the last year? Before this church, it would have been a low number for me. For me, and I'm the pastor we got to go out of our way to make a way. See, people, it's not easy to come to church for your first time. And I'm not saying church equals following Jesus. But it is, it is easier to belong to something than it is to just believe. It, it kind of is a pathway. How many people, you know how hard it is to walk through the doors the first time? That's why we work so hard on creating an atmosphere out in the lobby and like doing the best we can to be nice to people and be greeters and stuff like that. Because we know it's hard. Can we make bridges? Who are the people in your life that you have influence in? Who are the people that you're rubbing shoulders with? I just wonder if you begin to pray and start to invite and start to just talk about what Jesus has done for you. I wonder if there's people that God will bring to you. I'm meeting people all the time now because I've opened up my heart and I've opened up my life. Then I've said, God, I want to start to just rub shoulders with more people. And I started to love people more. There's a lot of people that I kind of would have just avoided or written off But I've just started to love people more because I really believe I'm starting to get this heart. And and it's not me. It's God doing it. All things to all people, so by all possible means we might save some. There are people who need Jesus. And if we don't tell them about him, who will? Okay. Can you stand with me? I know it's kind of heavy. I have heavy teaching. Sorry, I'll be nicer next week. Actually, My wife is teaching next week. I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. So now she has to because I let the cat out of the bag. I thought about not saying it. Now, I would have let you off the hook though. Yeah, so come next week. Bring your friends because Mandy is actually awesome. It's going to be great. So what we do now at City Light, if it's your first time, we do a response and reflection time. So we're going to sing one more song. You're welcome to just sing and spend some time reflecting on what we talked about. We can also, you can take communion. We're going to be taking communion right now. So if you're not familiar with church, what communion is is we is another kind of, one of those like baptism, it's another representation. So we have a little bit of food, uh, like a piece of bread and some juice, and it's just representing the blood and body of Jesus Christ. I know that sounds really weird it's just remembering that Jesus died for your sins if you don't feel comfortable doing that don't do it but everyone's invited to do that if you want to do that and just remember that Jesus has died for your sins and raised from the dead you can also go over to the wall and get prayer we have some prayer people over there if you want prayer today for God to give you his heart for those who are far from God if you honestly say Christian I don't think I care get some prayer for that if you want prayer for someone you know who's far from God is there someone you know who you care about could be a family member or a friend. You can go get prayer for them with somebody. If you're struggling today, like we talked about in worship, if you're feeling that, that struggle of life, go get prayer. It's very non-threatening. You just say, hey, my name's so-and-so. Here's what I need to pray for. They stand there. Don't. It's not scary. All right, so we're going to do that. We're going to sing. You can take communion, and we're going to pray.